are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great Monday show for you. We're going to talk what's going on in Charity's filming. I posted some stuff over the weekend. I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about something that Gabby said at the end of last week that I have not addressed yet. We'll also talk a little bit more about the Mike Fleiss exit from the show, which in turn led to two Chris Harrison podcasts. I am literally scratching my head over this. And yes, I will give you my review of the Taylor Swift concert from Friday night. If any of you followed along on my Instagram stories or saw it on my highlights, you probably know what kind of review is coming. But we'll get to that momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by Love and Pies. For a tasty mix of love and drama, download Love and Pies for free today and check out the Lake Pass event available now through May 7th. That's Love and Pies, free to download in the App Store or Google Play. So let's begin by first going over where we're at in Charity's filming. Right now they are filming episode four. Yesterday you saw me tweet out that they were filming in the Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington area. Well, it looks like they're staying in Washington State. I believe they are staying at the Skamania Lodge in Stevenson, Washington. I don't know how to pronounce it. Skamania? Anyway, if you look at Jesse Palmer's Instagram stories over the weekend especially the one where it was raining and it looked like he was near a treehouse, that's the Skamania Lodge. You can rent treehouses there. So that's where he's staying. So I'm guessing crew is near there, if not staying at that lodge. And I have pictures yesterday, or a picture from the lodge, where some of the guys were headed out on the group date. So I'm guessing that's where they're staying. But, so, Rose Ceremony number 3 was on Thursday. They traveled on Friday. Saturday, they got in on Friday up to the Pacific Northwest. One-on-one date on Saturday. Charity had a one-on-one at uh, Mount Hood Ski Bowl, which Mount Hood is in Oregon, which is why when I first tweeted out yesterday, they were in that area. I knew they were kind of going to both. But then I had found out after I tweeted that out, well, yeah, this date actually took place in Oregon. Mount Hood is the, uh, the Mount Hood Ski Bowl. And then the night portion was back at the lodge in Stevenson, Skamania uh, Lodge. And um, I don't know who the one-on-one date was with. I was given a description of the person. So I have an idea, but that's all I got. And then yesterday was a group date. At the time I'm recording this, nothing has gotten out about the group date in terms of pictures. I do have a picture of them in the lobby before heading out on the group date. There's about six guys that I can see in the picture, uh, but don't have all of them clearly identified just yet. But uh, a good idea. Uh, It doesn't mean that there's only six on the date. It just means that there were six happen to be in the one picture that I got. And then today will be a one-on-one date. Tomorrow's the rose ceremony, and then they are gone on Wednesday. And I'll let you know once I find out uh, where they're headed. I have heard one city, but I have no idea if it was true or not, so I don't know if that has been confirmed, and I don't even know it's the next city. Maybe it's a city down the line this season. But we're already at episode five after they leave the uh, Washington area. 
and five, six, and seven are episodes before hometowns, and then episode eight we know is hometown dates. So <laughs> it's weird to say, but we're ha- we're over halfway to hometown dates already for charity season. I guess that's what you get by starting it while the Bachelor is still airing, because then like we're we're only today is one week removed from the Bachelor finale, but we're two weeks into Charity's filming. So anyway, that's your update. Uh, what's going on with Charity? I did notice at the end of last week, Gabby was on clickbait. I didn't hear the whole thing. I you know I don't listen to these podcasts unless I have to get a specific quote. Or it's summarized for me on Us Weekly's website or EW.com. Somebody usually does. It's usually Us Weekly. and Or I see a reel of it on Instagram. And I did see Gabby talking about Katie. And I thought it was really, really interesting. Actually, I want to play the clip of Gabby on Clickbait so you can hear it and we can discuss it after. So here it is. On that beat, on that date on the beach, I knew for sure it's not you. Um, and I said that, but I also thought about my friendship with Katie. And um, you know, I've hesitated saying this, but I think it is important to like know like why I did stay. Um, and I thought about my relationship with Katie and if I were in her shoes. And it was clear Katie was the choice. Katie had had been the choice, but if I had left she could have felt like she is the choice by default and she was truly the choice. And I never wanted her to feel like, well, Gabby left. So he had to choose me because no, he was always choosing Katie. And the only reason I would have left is because I knew he was choosing Katie, but I didn't want her to feel any kind of doubt when he proposed to her and she watched it all back. So there you go. I mean, there's Gabby, the girl who finished second, not only saying I knew on our last date he wasn't picking me. He said it was Katie. She said it was Katie. It was always Katie. And very interesting to hear that from the final two woman. And look, that's nothing that I didn't say most of the season once I had the spoiler out there. I just always go back to his first one-on-one with Katie, the second one-on-one of the season, and he's asking her to spend the night. You don't do that for somebody that you don't have that isn't your your front runner at that point. And clearly, she ended up being the one he picked in the end, so that played a major, major role. But there's Gabby sitting there saying on our last date, right before that clip started, she was basically talking about their last date on the beach when she walked away and got and got upset and whatnot. She goes, she knew. She knew it wasn't her, but then she also said it was always Katie. She was just holding out that hope that maybe, you know, it wasn't. But I think that that was really interesting of her to say that she stayed for Katie just so Katie didn't have that, well, if Gabby leaves and he picks Katie, well, he was going to, you know, she's the only girl left. Of course he's going to pick her. I understand that, and I understand that she did that out of their friendship, what I thought, which I thought was really cool of her. I also think that, there was probably a production side to this that did not allow them to do that. And the production side, I think Zach may have even addressed this in one of the hundred podcasts that they went on that he has to, I think he said after his last date, he told production it was Katie and they told him, you need to think about this more. Basically like saying like, look, we're not going to let you, we're not going to let you dump Gabby early. Like, So while you all say and come after Zach and even Gabby coming after Zach saying, why didn't you let me go early? Why'd you put me through that? 
She's got to understand the television aspect of this. And yes, production for this show absolutely loves Final Rose Ceremony Day on The Bachelor. Very rarely, and it's only happened recently for the first like 23 or 24 seasons of The Bachelor, no matter who The Bachelor was picking, no matter how obvious it was, he they always made the final two girls show up and get dumped. Bachelorette, way more lenient. They always usually let The Bachelorette go to, I can remember as far back as Allie's season, go to Chris Lambden's room, tell him it's not him, and you just go down the line. Um, yeah, there have been some Bachelorette final row ceremonies where they did dump the final guy, Nick, twice. <laughs> But um, no, it just they're allowed to do it on The Bachelorette. The show just seems to let the guys down easy, but shit, they don't care about the women for the longest time. They never let The Bachelor let the number two or number three girl go early. Then it turned into they were doing it two or three or four seasons in a row. Matt did it to Michelle. Colton did it to Hannah G and Tasha. Uh, I'd have to look at the seasons, but those two right off the top of my head, I know that, you know, he never, neither of them had a final rose ceremony day where it was down to two and he dumped one and kept the other. But for the longest time, no. Bachelorette's, uh, Bachelor always had to have his final two women show up. Same thing happened this season. Sucks for Gabby, but I hope she understands that this was a production thing. And even if she really wanted to leave and Zach's went to production and said, I don't want to put her through this, they might have said, you have to. And he has no say. They're paying him to be their bachelor. He's kind of got to do what they say. So there's that. This was kind of fascinating. So we know that more and more is going to start coming out about the Mike Fleiss exit from this show. This isn't just he decided after 21 years to, uh, you know, hang it up going to retire because he wasn't involved in the day-to-day operation of the show his it's his creation he let other people run it while he made money and sat at home in Hawaii with his two homes in Hawaii and made hundreds of you know millions and millions of dollars I don't know about hundreds of millions but he's definitely a multimillionaire. um so we the first the first story came out with variety he's not going to be here then two days later, Elizabeth Wagmeister ex, um, writes an extended piece on, well, Warner Brothers opened up an investigation, and there's plenty of people on staff, even current producers, executive producers, that have spoke out against Mike Fleiss's behavior on the show. Racial discrimination, hit that quote about minorities don't equal ratings. You know, I mean, again, if somebody has that on tape or in a text message, he's fucked. But is it hard to think that that ever came out of his mouth? No, it isn't, based on everything I've heard over the years. But it's still alleged at this point because we have not heard it in an audio form or we have not seen it in written form, either an email or a screenshot of a text message. But the whole point being that Variety broke the story and extended the story of, look, it's not just he's stepping down. He's stepping down basically for a reason and it's because a major investigation was put on and they wanted to find stuff because people had complaints. And then Matt Baloney, uh, B-E-L-L-O-N-I, not Baloney has a first name, it's O-S-C-A-R. Not that. Matt Baloney is a lawyer and he has a podcast and he also has a website behind a paywall called Puck News 
Well, I noticed in my Instagram feed on Thursday, it might have been Friday, a Thursday night or something like that, Chris Harrison shows up on my Instagram feed and says, we have got basically the person who broke, not the broke the story, I don't know who broke it first, Variety or Matt Baloney. I mean, they're both reporting the same things, essentially, that Fleiss was a jerk behind the scenes. And Chris Harrison says, I'm going to do an emergency podcast with Matt Baloney, who's got a podcast and a website, and he talks all about the Mike Fleiss exit from The Bachelor. And then I look at it, I, I, I look at Chris's podcast on my phone, and it was 17 minutes long. I'm like, I can deal with Chris Harrison for 17 minutes. That works for me. I want to hear what this guy has to say. And it was the most bizarre podcast because, look, we are all very well aware that Chris Harrison has signed an NDA and he's not allowed to say anything about the show other than the basics of I was the host and we went here and did this and these people got engaged and the stuff that we already know. But like I said, when he released his first podcast, there's no tea here. He's not spilling anything about the show ever. He's had that, sh- he's had that podcast for what, two months now? Name one major tea that he spilled. He hasn't because he can't. Yet here we are on this story. The creator of The Bachelor has to now leave the show and give it up because people within the organization are complaining about him. And here's Chris Harrison, the host of the show for 20 years, and he can't offer shit for an opinion because he's under an NDA. Chris Harrison would have the best podcast in all of America last week if he could actually give an opinion and say something and relay of, hey, you know what? I know everything about Fleiss. I worked there for 20 years. Here's something I heard him say. Here's something I heard him do. Here's something I saw. I possibly maybe have seen him hooking up with somebody. He could have released that all, but he can't even say peep because he signed an NDA. So what Chris is doing now, clearly... I don't think Matt Baloney is going to be the first person to come on his podcast to speak poorly on Fleiss, and I certainly don't think he's going to be the last because Chris was let go as the host of the show, and Mike Fleiss is the creator, so clearly Mike Fleiss had a major hand in why Chris Harrison no longer is the host of The Bachelor. So Chris is going to take shots at Mike, but he can't because he's under an NDA. So what he's going to do is bring on other people and have them because it was the most bizarre interview. He's like, he's interviewing this Matt Baloney guy and he's like, Matt, so tell us what Mike Fleiss, tell us the reports that you have of Fleiss on set. <laughs> I'm sitting there screaming at my podcast like, hey, Chris, why don't you tell us? You were there for 20 years. You know exactly what he did and what he said, but he can't. He's under an NDA. So he's just going to invite a bunch of other people on to have them take pot shots at Fleiss and do Chris's dirty work for him. It's kind of fascinating, and it's also kind of embarrassing because, let's face it, a lot of people, when Chris Harrison announced he was having a podcast, were interested in listening to what he had to say to see the stories that he could tell from behind the scenes, and now he has the opportunity to go after a guy who basically had the biggest role in firing him, I would think, in Mike Fleiss, and he won't say shit. And he can't say shit. I get it. I'm not saying he should be because he'd probably be breaking his NDA by doing it. All I'm saying is the whole thing now just seems weird because Chris is interviewing people like he has no idea who Fleiss is and he's interviewing him like, 
you know, somebody else with a random podcast like Chicks in the Office or something is just asking somebody, hey, what have you heard Fleiss did behind the scenes? Oh, well, I heard he bullied people. I heard he said this. I heard he wasn't very, you know, positive toward minorities and stuff. And, you know, you're asking it because you want information. And Chris is doing the same thing, although he already knows the answers. It's so weird. And it's kind of embarrassing that he cannot speak on this, yet he knows exactly what Fleiss has done behind the scenes for 20 years. The problem is, even if he did somehow either break the NDA or think or like toe the line of what he could say about Fleiss, while Chris knows all the things that are in Fleiss's closet from the last 20 years, Fleiss knows everything in Chris's closet for the last 20 years. And I guess there's a possibility that he could you know, railroad Chris, if stuff ever got attributed to Chris about Fleiss, Fleiss would turn right back around and fire right back at him. So that's probably a reason, but it's just, it's it's so ironic and funny and embarrassing all at the same time that Chris Harrison has a podcast. Mike Fleiss is let go from the show under this giant investigation, and Chris Harrison can't give us any sort of opinion on it because of an NDA he's under. It is, I, I, I don't know, it's comical to me. It really is. All right, let's get to it. Let's end with my review of the Taylor Swift Eras Concert Tour this past Friday night at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. If you followed along on Instagram stories that night, I hope you enjoyed it. Did I have a little bit to drink? Absolutely. But that's what I do when I go to Taylor Swift concerts because that's been the fifth time I've seen her. Twice for 1989, twice for Reputation, now once for the Eras Tour, and we'll see what happens from here. I will say this. When she went on at 8 o'clock, I had 95% battery in my phone. <laughs> And my battery died with on the second to last song, which was Mastermind. So recording all those, uploading them, I wasn't on the Wi-Fi in AT&T. Either I, got, either I tried to get on late or whatever, but it wasn't allowing me onto the free Wi-Fi. And I had to use, you know, 5G. And I went from 95% down to 0% in three hours because I recorded all those videos you know, labeled them, but I was also sending them to my niece as well as posting them on my Instagram stories. And, and obviously the, the, the big, the biggest takeaway for all those that emailed me is no, had nothing to do with the concert, how great it was, the presentation, how awesome Taylor was 90% of the responses from all of you out there were Steve, the guy behind you is having a miserable time. Why does he suck so bad? <laughs> I'm like, here's the thing. You know when you're recording a video, you can't do the flip phone service. You uh, Flip phone. Uh, flip the picture. You have to turn the camera around. You have to turn the phone around in your hand to record yourself, which is what I was doing. So I kept returning the phone around. I didn't know until way later that night and early the next morning when I went back and actually watched the videos of myself that I had no idea I was getting that guy in all of my shots and that that guy would not sing a word and had his hands in his pockets, you know? So 
Yeah, no, trust me. I'm I, I'm now well aware uh, he didn't seem to be enjoying himself. I don't know why he would have spent the money to buy a ticket to a concert. He clearly was dragged there by his girlfriend or if it was his fiance or his wife. I don't know. I didn't talk to them. I was too busy screaming. But it does suck for him. Now, we have no idea about their ticket situation. Maybe they were given the tickets for free. Maybe they paid nothing for it. That's why it wasn't a big deal to him to go and put his hands in his pocket and act like somebody killed his dog all night long. I don't know how you can go to that concert and not be into it unless you've never even heard of her stuff and you're just being dragged along, which I guess is what his deal was. But, yeah, he was he was what 90% of you said to me in your responses to my videos. And, yeah, when I watch the videos back, I'm like, man, this guy is miserable. Sucks for him. But overall, uh, the concert was, was unreal. You know, I had known going in based on her performances in Arizona and Las Vegas that I had read online that it, from the time she got on the stage to the time she left, it was over three hours, and she sings 44 songs and doesn't skimp on really any of the songs there was a couple notes uh, that I made. Number one, I was told on all four concerts that she had done beforehand, the two in Arizona and the two in Vegas, that she started right at 8. I was in line to get some more wine at 7.52, and all of a sudden I hear the fans start screaming. And I'm like, no way. It's I go, we got eight minutes. What, what's going on here? So uh, got out of line, went to my seat, and started recording but was I there right when her countdown started no I wasn't thank god I was somewhat close the uh the alcohol bar was somewhat close to my seats but yeah I wasn't there right when it started because for whatever reason in Dallas she started at 752 and bullshit <laughs> I was told she didn't start till eight on all four previous ones so missed the very 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 beginning but there is a video up of me right when she pops up on stage so I made it to my seat in time I just had to rush a little bit as for the secret songs um, I, I put it on the Instagram story that the secret songs were the one and ours I was actually corrected because at that point you know we're three quarters of the way into the concert when she did those it was sad beautiful tragic and ours on Friday night Saturday night she did um, oh, I'm blanking. I know she did clean. Oh, and she did uh, Death by a Thousand Cuts on Saturday night. And she even screwed up the chorus on Death by a Thousand Cuts, so now she's going to be performing it at a later date as well. And I wish I would have been there for those two. As I'm recording this right now, her concert hasn't even started, night three in Dallas. So I'm sure you'll find online what her secret songs were on last night's show. But, yeah, I wish I would have been there for Death by a Thousand Cuts and Clean. Not a huge fan of Sad, Beautiful, Tragic and Ours. You know, whatever. I'm not going to complain. The other 42 songs were bangers anyway. So um, I will say that AT&T ran out of white wine about an hour into the show. There was only there was only red wine and mixed drinks left, at least at the place closest to my seats, and I didn't feel like walking up more steps to go find more white wine. So, yeah, about in 45 minutes to an hour into the show, they were out of white wine in my section, my area. Overall, I, I mean, you can't... I, I'm not exaggerating in those videos. 
think I've, I mean, anybody that's listened to me over the last five, seven, eight years knows I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of, of her music. And, I, and her performances are even better. Her concerts are just killer. So, yeah, I had a blast. It was, you know, probably helped along by some white wine. And I don't have a singing voice whatsoever. It's why I scream all the songs, as you saw. And if you missed them, they're on my highlights on my Instagram feed if you want to go listen to that bad singing. But it makes me want to see her again this tour. You know, this was only the third city that she went to. Next week she's off and then she's in Tampa. I don't think I'll be seeing her before July, but I need to start looking at venues post-July to see if I can pull this off and go see her again. I don't know if I can do it for sure because that's going to also constitute getting a hotel and um, that's going to cost an arm and a leg. So I, I don't know. I want to, but there's a, there's a difference between wanting to and being able to, and I just don't know yet. Um, we'll see. I just I, I just don't know yet. There, I, the one thing that I am possibly looking at is I am in Cal- Southern California at the very end of July, be and I fly back to Dallas on July 31st because that's the weekend of my 30 year high school reunion. Well, four days later is her first performance in L.A. at SoFi Stadium, Thursday the 3rd. So could I actually extend my trip in California an extra four days and go to Thursday's show? It's possible. It's going to cost me a couple grand, but can I do it? Mm, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I, I That would be the one that I'd be looking at because I realize – I'm already going to be out there, but yeah, I'm going to have to do four more nights at the hotel and I just, I have to decide if that's where I want to, that's where I want to see her. Uh, I will see. I I just, I don't know yet, but would I see her again? Do I want to see her again? Absolutely. If you are a Taylor Swift fan and you've never been to her concert or you've been to her concerts in the past, and this is going to be, you know, your 10th time seeing her, whether it's your first time or your 10th time, you can't. You can't like Taylor Swift and not enjoy this concert. It's impossible. And I'm even thinking going forward, I don't think this is her last concert tour of her career. We don't know where she is, you know, starting a family-wise and all that stuff. Because if she does, she's going to take a couple years off, obviously. But I don't think this is her last tour. The problem is, I don't know how she tops this. I was texting... Uh, about this with Morgan Willette, who I hope to have on the podcast soon and is the one that I gave my Nashville tickets to, who I sold my Nashville tickets to, not gave them to her. I sold my Nashville tickets to to Morgan. And I was talking about this. I'm like, Morgan, I don't know how she's going to top this. What's she going to do, have a four-hour concert next time? Like, she's giving us everything for 44 songs and over three hours. So I don't know what she does to top this. I would just say, I guess, the next tour that she goes on, whenever it may be, she probably just has to keep it the same, at least. At least do another three-hour and 15-minute concert and just cover more songs and, you know, do some other ones and mix some other ones and just change up her set list, you know? That's really the only thing she can do at this point. But she'll have released, I would think, another one or at least two more albums since then, since her, her, since her you know, in between now and her next tour, so she's got to incorporate those songs. But 
I, you can't go to that concert and not enjoy it unless you are the dude that was behind me in all my Instagram videos who clearly just went there because his girlfriend likes Taylor. Uh, the people watching is outstanding. The amount of glitter, the amount of rhinestone, the amount of glittery rhinestone cowboy hats there were, uh, women dressed with the red lipstick from the red era. I mean, the costumes of people you know, dressing like Taylor, very fun people watching to go to. The crowd is into it from the second you know, it starts with her. Uh, it just, she puts on a hell of a performance. There's no way you can be bored. Everybody's singing along for three hours and 15 minutes. It's just an awesome, awesome time all around. You could tell I had a blast. And anybody that's going in the future, or if you went to Arizona and Vegas, you know how great of a, of a tour it was. And I'll tell this to anybody out there. As I get older in life, I don't care about material things. I don't buy myself shit. What I'm more interested now is in making moments and doing stuff like this, maybe traveling, seeing things as opposed to buying myself something flashy. If you have a child, or even if yourself are, big, are a big Taylor Swift fan and you see that the prices are expensive, which, which they are, I'm not denying that. They're ridiculously expensive. It's not her fault. Blame Ticketmaster. She can only control. They were cheap on her. When you bought them off her thing when she went live, she sold them for cheaper. It's all the people online trying to price gouge people. It's just the way it is. However, if you're a huge fan or you have a little girl who's a huge fan and would love to see her, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment. Because that time that your child sees her for three hours and 15 minutes will be something that she remembers forever. And you will too, I would assume. If you're a big fan of Taylor and you take your daughter to it, like it is, it is one of those things that you kind of have to do. And look, we have no idea when she's touring again. It's going to be at least two years before it happens again. And if Taylor happens to get married and get pregnant during that, you can push that out another year or two as well. So I would, you know, there's still plenty of cities left on the tour. I know it's expensive, it's not cheap, but what this to me is, is more of an investment into happiness. And I would suggest it's worth it to me. To me, it's worth it. If you don't think it's worth it to pay, you know, almost 1000 to $1,500 for a ticket, unless you want to be in the upper deck, that's going to run you 500 to 750 still. But just to go and be there and scream your head off for three hours and 15 minutes like myself, to me it's worth it. So I would seriously look into it if you haven't already. Anyway, that was it. There's my review. A++++++. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now. You can check that out. going to talk a lot of what happened this weekend in the Final Four, both men's and women's. And we will get to that in the Sports Daily. Like I said, it'll be up in an hour. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.